trade deadline special with the Canadian bomber, the Canadian shaman, <laughs> the Canadian Bill Simmons, and now the Canadian Zach Lowe. Ooh. Oh, man. Nico I- Miatello, what's up? Ah, uh, not much, man. You're giving me a lot to live up to today. Um, that was more than I'm even used to. Well, it, it is worthy of it because we have a lot to get to because after emergency pod of Kevin Durant, and we'll talk a little bit more about that today, Yeah, being able to sleep on it and whatever, we had a ton of moves Today, we did. The ringer Rob Mahoney counted 38 second rounders were moved. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's definitely lapping any other day we've ever had. All right, so the way I kind of broke this down, Nico, and uh, feel free to add anything that you want in here is team by team Mm -hmm. division by division we're going to leave two out special towards the end I wonder if the listeners can can guess what are the two we're going to leave out towards the end (laughs) it's going to be the two that we're actually talking about the whole way through the episode All right, so let's get started here. Boston Celtics, 39-16, number one in the East. They are in a situation where they got a perimeter big, Mike Muscala. Uh, They gave up Justin Jackson plus a second round, two second rounders in Mm -hmm. that deal. Ramifications of that move for Boston, sir. Uh, I think Luke Cornett probably lost his gig at this point. It seems Mike Muscala will be taking all those minutes. Uh, might be a little bit of insurance for perhaps Al Horford in the playoffs if he can't quite ramp it up the way he did last year. It'll be nice to have a guy like Mike Muscala to throw in there. Um, I think it's it's just a low stakes move, and I think that's what we expected from Boston, a team that looks kind of like they have the at least a conference finals appearance in the bag at this point. We do also want to put out there that uh, good well soon to Jalen Brown, who has the facial fracture, the yeah. uh, the the accident that happened between him and Tatum. Uh, mm-hmm. looks like he's going to be out for a little while, at least a month, at least. So yeah. uh, we'll see how that all plays out. But uh, Boston is pretty much set. They didn't have a lot of work to do today. I, I'm actually a little surprised knowing what they knew about Jalen Brown that they didn't go sniffing around the wing market, but with all the uh, buyouts and whatnot, I can see them looking uh, for uh, a usable wing, yeah, they they could be. I I wouldn't say they're the number one, but they could be a Will Barton destination. 
um, especially if they're nervous at all about Jalen Brown. All right, and we're going to move to Toronto. So we got the Raptors. <laughs> they did make a Yaku Pirtle trade. They did. They sent Kim Birch to San Antonio. Looks like there was a protected first-round pick in that deal. Mm-hmm. And two future seconds. Are you surprised that no one else got moved? Ah, yes and no. I think I am surprised, ultimately, that they decided to go in this direction. But realistically, my instinct all along was that they were going to do something like this. It was only in the past, like, I would say two weeks that I had been... uh, I kind of shaken up on that opinion just because the the trade buzz was getting pretty legitimate. But I really expected Masai to stand pat with this roster. And I think he added the exact guy they kind of needed. Well, the Jakob Pertl move was, uh, was interesting. Wasn't didn't necessarily see that coming, but it does fill a need that they desperately need to fill, mm-hmm. which is somebody who can protect the rim. Yeah. And like, he's a guy who they know well, obviously. That was the theme of today. And I think he's going to be a pretty easy fit into the system. They're going to, they've got a bunch of bigs who like deserve minutes like Chris Boucher and our guy, Christian Coloco. They, they do deserve minutes on a team, but they could be backups and there are situations where you can sit them and it's not a problem. Like they're not so good. You need to always play them. So just putting Jakob Pertle straight into that rotation, I just think strengthens everything. Um, one thing I do want to talk about with the Raptors though, is <clears throat> as a Canadian, I do follow many Raptors uh, fans on Twitter, and I I do know a lot of Raptors fans as well. And through being in Twitter spaces and just seeing their reaction to today overall, they're not happy at all. And there is a lot of people starting to sour on Masai at some level because he shows this unwillingness to make big moves outside of the Kawhi move, which has been a while since then. And people are getting a little tired of this meddling. So I think it's the first time in a while I've seen this fan base upset at management. And with the buzz that came earlier about Nick Nurse, maybe being potentially on the hot seat. I think this summer is going to be a time of change for the Raptors in the first first time in quite some time. 
I can definitely see that, and we're going to be following that very closely because Absolutely. now they're the queen of the chessboard in the summer. They are, yeah. So let's move along to the Knicks, shall we? Okay. Because this, they didn't do a lot, <laughs> but I think this is a sneaky good trade, oh, and I have questions yeah. for you. I'm not even sure if it's sneaky good. I just think it's straight up great. Well, give me a second with this. Yeah. So the Knicks, they get rid of Cam Reddish, who they weren't using. Uh, Yeah. Ghost stories. He's traded to Portland. Mm -hmm. They get Josh Hart back. Josh Hart also played with Jalen Brunson and Villanova. He did. He is also the exact, like, if you could build a player to play for Tom Thibodeau in a lab, it might be Josh Hart. And as soon as the trade came out and they asked Thibs about the trade, the first thing he said was, I have a lot of respect for his game, which of of course he does. I, I like... The giving away Cam Reddish doesn't really register to me. They're giving away uh, a late first this year, maybe mid to late first, and Ryan DiArcino's fee Michaelia doesn't move me at all. It feels like they gave away a lot of nothing to get a very good rotation player. And I, I'm ecstatic with the move they made for them. I'm, I'm very excited for the next. Does he cut into to uh, Barrett's minutes? I, I don't think so. I think you play Barrett primarily at the two with Josh, and I think they play together great. Does he take minutes away from Manuel quickly? perhaps, but uh, I'm not sure how concerned I'd be about taking minutes away from quickly. He gets a pretty healthy dose of them right now. So I think taking him from like a 28 to 31 minute a game player, moving him down to like a 22 minute a game player, I think that's still fine. If you look at some of the substitution patterns with the New York Knicks and Barrett, Mm-hmm. There's a lot of times that he is out for a huge chunk of the fourth quarter. Yeah. And I think that Josh Hart is another crunch time guy. So oh, I think absolutely. that squeezes squeezes minutes somewhere. Just a, just mm-hmm. my random thoughts on it. Not not trying to cause any controversy. I like the trade for New York. I think this is a Tibbs player, obviously. He's such uh-huh. a good rebounder for what for how big he is. That's yeah. another thing that I love about him. And I think he's like the exact player that oh, New yeah. York Knicks fans will just fall in love with. Mm-hmm. Just a gritty, grimy dude. He He's a great dude. Oh, man, I didn't actually... Our guy Kyler, I didn't talk to him about this today. But now with Josh Hart and Emmanuel quickly on the same team, he might have to be a Knicks fan. Mm-hmm. 
Well, I mean, it's a it's a lot to think about. I that was the one thing I wanted to kind of hit on with them is that Josh Hart will find minutes because he just does a lot of the right thing. And anytime you can get a player like that, that means that it equates to playoff minutes. Mm-hmm. So the other trait that I want to talk about is the Philadelphia 76ers trade. Yes. They're sir. 34 in 19, third in the East. Man. And they traded Matisse Thibel, who was in the Doc Rivers doghouse, started to play a little bit of late. Uh, yeah. And it was a roundabout trade, but they ended up with Jalen <laughs> McDaniels. <laughs> yep. Yep. Okay. Just a straight upgrade. They also ended up with two second round picks. <laughs> Daryl Morey does it again, Matt. I'm going to ask this question, and we're not to them yet. So I'm going to leave it for right mm-hmm. now. Kudos to Daryl Morey and what he was able to do today. Yeah. Working around the edges because there's not a lot that this team is needing at this present time. They're, no, they're it, this is exactly like this. <laughs> this couldn't be a, a better fit. Well, that leaves one more team in the division. That is the Brooklyn Nets. Let's get to it. <laughs> First and foremost, just Did so they you make know, any trades? Just, maybe. Maybe, maybe you might have heard of a couple guys that they traded. Mm-hmm. Let's start off with it. So the vaunted Kyrie Irving, Markeith Morris trade, right? That goes down mm-hmm. last Sunday, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they end up with Spencer Dewitty and Dorian Finney-Smith. They get a 2029 first round pick and two second round picks 2027, 2029. Yeah. Then they made a small move. And I looked at it the other day and I was like, wonder why they did that. Next sent Kessler Edwards to Sacramento. Cleared up a little cap space deal. Great move. Monster spot. Roster spot, everything like that. Yeah. Then last night happened. <sighs> last night. Yes, sir. Kevin Durant gets traded along with TJ Warren to the mm-hmm. Phoenix Suns. Brooklyn gets back Mikhail Bridges, Cam Johnson. To pair with Cam Thomas. They get Jay Crowder, who then they flip to Milwaukee. For five second round picks. They get first four first. They get four first rounders from Phoenix. All yeah. unprotected. 2023, 2025. 2027, 2029, and then they get a pick swap in 2028. Mm-hmm. 
And then the Crowder deal, like you said, is this five second round picks. Yeah. So more ammunition down the road. As far as what the Nets have done. Now, this is the one thing that I want to keep in mind with this. Do you know it's less than 365 days since since they had all three of them? Yeah, I know. Harden, Irving, and Durant. Yep. And within 365 days, all of them are gone. With that being said, what do you think of the new team that is now the new Brooklyn Nets? It's a whole lot of wings. That's for sure. They were already kind of wing heavy. And Mm -hmm. in this whole situation, they added three more in Mikael Bridges, Cam Johnson, and DFS. Uh, Spencer Dinwiddie is going to get a whole lot of shots. Our guy, Cam Thomas, is going to get a whole lot of shots. I mean, it's okay. It's a decent team. It's really good defensively. It's a first-round exit against anyone. They can't score. They have no superstars. They traded away three superstars, and they got zero superstars back in the end. They also received less first-rounders and swaps than they gave away in the Harden trade. I... The deal that comes back to Biden is the Harden one, not just because of he is now gone. Jared Allen went out in that deal. He did. Okay. So, so it's Karis Levert. I mean, I do believe for what was in front of them, they did pretty well. Mm -hmm. I do like that they got the hardest commodity to get because if you dole those out one at a time. You can get I mean, a they already sold one of them out, and they got five second-round picks. What is that? That's <laughs> like, different. I know the, come on, Jay Crowder is different than what the others that they got. Yeah, that's true. Like, DFS, Mikhail, and Cam Johnson are high-value guys, but, like, I think they're going to want to build around a Ben Simmons, Mikhail Bridges core going forward. And DFS doesn't make the most sense there. So I think he's got to be the first guy gone. And I'm curious if he loses some value after the rest of the season on the Nets when offensively his role is going to be significantly diminished. Well, I mean, we will see because they're going to have to try to assemble this on the fly. Yeah. They won a game tonight, so they're 33-22, and 22, mm-hmm. fifth, in the West, and fifth in the East. I mean, okay, let's just talk about this part of it. Obviously, there is a 
talent void that has left the Brooklyn Nets in a major way within a year. Yeah. Ben Simmons is definitely not the player that he was prior to the Atlanta Trey Young under the basket, could have slammed it and then kicked it out. Yeah. Like they made all these trades in the last two days. And in today's game, Ben Simmons was still coming off the bench. And so I think that tells you something. Mikael Bridges is an interesting piece in this deal because of the fact that even if he doesn't turn out to be anything more than what he is right now, that's a pretty good piece to kind of have. And if you can get cap space and hit on one of these picks, maybe. I don't know. I mean, you're you're starting over. You're not starting completely over, but you're starting with a just a base foundation. Yeah. And you were literally in a mansion with like waterfalls inside the house, all kinds of crazy stuff. Mm-hmm. Unicorns probably dancing around. And now, you know, you're in like a, you know, modest condo. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a little different. I mean, still comfortable for the norms out there. But yeah. if you have dealt with opulence in any part of your life, and then all of a sudden, boom, you're back in like kind of normal, it's a big change. My question is, do you think that Joe Sy will allow Sean Marks to rebuild this team? I mean, he let him make these two trades. If you let Sean Marks make these two trades and then don't let him rebuild the team, I think that that is monumentally stupid. If you were going to trade away two superstars and then replace your general manager... Like, you would want to replace him beforehand. You would want him to make the moves to get the pieces he would want to build his team, not the other way around. So I think Sean Marks... Sean Marks seems to be the last one standing, to be honest, because it was rumored that KD would have been okay with the Nets had Sean Marks been removed in the first place it was sean marks and steve nash and originally they said no to that but steve nash got out of there pretty quick and sean marks is the last one standing so seems like he's got dave batista's music behind him i walk alone yes he is uh the winner of the royal rumble cody rhodes this year that's right but shouts out to our guy yeah he uh yeah, I think he's going to be building this team again. And, like, to be fair, he deserves to because he rose the Titanic in the first place. He was the one who put together a team that made the playoffs without any draft picks and without any good players after Deron Williams, like, kind of tanked the entire Nets 
franchise at, at the top of that trade. I, I'm excited to see what Sean Marks can do. I'm just hoping he fails, obviously, owning all the Nets picks for the next five years. Well, the problem is, is that KD chose the wrong running mate. That's as uh, simple as it gets. Yeah, yeah. He's not a reliable human being, Nico. I mean, no, let's just no, get it straight. Not. Kyrie is not reliable. No, I I would not argue that he is reliable at any point. I'm just not sure necessarily that Kyrie being unreliable is the only thing that sabotaged this necessarily. It seems like like I just don't think the Nets handled any of this well. I don't think you can handle Kyrie well. Look I, at what happened in Boston. Look at what happened in Cleveland. We 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 did see Kyrie blow up both those situations. I'm not necessarily saying they didn't handle Kyrie well. They seem to do everything they could to handle Kyrie. But I think there's a world where if you're a better organization and Kyrie is acting the way Kyrie is acting, you only end up losing Kyrie, and you still have James Harden and Kevin Durant at the end of it. I I feel like that world could have existed for the Nets had things unfolded differently. The Nets have had, like, five players or four players de- demand a trade in the last year because Paul Millsap also demanded a trade off this team. Like, as bad as Kyrie is, we didn't see anything like that happen in Cleveland or in Boston before. Both those teams stayed pretty much intact the following year. I think a lot of this boils down to also being the Nets' fault. I think when you have a wild card like Kyrie on your team, and listen, the talent is undeniable. I mm-hmm. I can't we'll get into Kyrie when we hit Dallas, but at the end of the day, when you gotta put out fires that are just there's so much that goes on in an NBA franchise. Yeah. I mean there's so much. There's things that like if we just sat here and like I mean this is definitely a Patreon uh conversation. Mm-hmm. If we talked about just some of just the remedial stuff that happens in NBA franchises, I mean it definitely wouldn't be a PG conversation whatsoever. Yeah. But now you're adding just nonsense on top of it, mm-hmm. right? Just stuff that now everybody has to talk about. Kevin Durant has to talk about it. Sean Marks has to talk about it. Steve Nash, when he was there, has to talk about it. It just gets tiring. It just gets old. It does. I'm not denying that necessarily. I just... like. 
Kyrie causes a lot of fires you have to put out. I just, I'm not, the Nets were not good at putting out fires is what it comes down to. Or, or here's a better way of putting it. I think that Kyrie uses a lot of bandwidth, like too much. He does. Like too much bandwidth. And I think when you ask a person who's in the position of Sean Marks, now it's uh what Rico Hines or in Dallas, Nico Hines in Dallas, uh, Nico Harrison or Nico Harrison. Sorry, yeah, I'm thinking, oh, I'm thinking Rico Hines, the assistant coach in Toronto. Sorry, yeah, um, but when you have a guy that takes up all this bandwidth and you have maybe this much left for everything else. It's just not a, I don't think it's a viable situation. And I think that now that the franchise has been basically taken back over, there's been a coup in (laughs) Brooklyn franchise, Josiah and Sean Mm -hmm. Marks who seized the franchise again. I think now we can start to see, what this team can look like and they can start building it and maybe they can now attract another superstar who oh man won't need uh, his buddy won't need his buddy i they are not going to attract another superstar in the next 10 years i will bet on that it's going to be a long time before they get another big name free agent as far as i'm concerned mm. 10 years might be a bit of a stretch, but it's going to be a minute. Regimes change, personnel changes, because all it takes is one of these draft picks to hit. I don't, I don't know. They're just, when you're going to have three of the biggest stars going around the league talking shit about your franchise and yeah, also but- multiple other, like, prominent figures who signed on being it DeAndre Jordan or Paul Millsap or whom LaMarcus Aldridge, whomever else there's, I I have a very hard time seeing agents letting their team sign with the Nets in the near future. I would love to talk to like LaMarcus Aldridge. Mm-hmm. Just ask him what, what was going down. Yeah. Because I know there was a bunch of nonsense. All right, let's move on. We spent a lot of time on Brooklyn. So this is going to be real quick. Cleveland, they did absolutely nothing. There's nothing to talk about. Dad, I'm not sure that's true. They should There's nothing to talk about, but, I mean, this is ridiculous. But I don't think – I don't think they could have got Bay, Bay from Detroit. I think that right there – no, that was never gonna happen. No, no, but so what was the cost of getting the guy to fill that number three role? It was really high. It was. I, I, and Brooklyn I really wasn't, wasn't giving all their wings away. They they had spicy wings. They had garlic wings. 
They I would have came, came knocking hard for Royce O'Neal if I was Cleveland, I think. I think a uh, lot of teams did. And I think uh, they literally just said, we need to take a siesta. I honestly I, believe those dudes needed like, like a retreat and a spa day and 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 maybe just some just some some glasses with little umbrellas in them. You know what I'm saying? I just think they needed a day, bro. Yeah. After what they've gone through this week, you think about it. We it's not even Sunday. It's not even seven days. And they've traded away Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant. Yeah, they, this is the job, though. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, that's still a stressful job, man. That's yeah, still, it absolutely like, is. It absolutely is. But they were. And maybe I, they I, just I, needed just they wanted just to sit back and just go, OK. Let's see I what we got. Let's see who we want to. I think Royce O'Neal still being on that team is a mistake. Oh, yeah, he would have been a great Laker. He would have been great in multiple other places, and he's he not going to get minutes on the Nets now. <sighs> so now, what do they do at three? It's gonna—they're just Karis Levert, Seti Osman. Yeah, it's everything they've been doing to this point. Lamar Stevens, all those guys. Buyout they, candidates, maybe. Maybe I'm not sure. I'm not sure what. Three is getting bought out. Uh, maybe Will Barton, but he's a two. Hmm. I don't know. Kevin Knox, maybe if the Ew. Warriors buy him out. Ew. But like that's that's what you're looking at for buyout threes. They don't come around very often. Kevin Knox They're actually ended up in Portland, right? He's a two, also. Yeah. So, all right. Our guy Altman is going to have a lot to explain to, to, to the Cleveland folks. Well, just saying. Yeah, just standing put. I, th- I felt like he had a chance, but to be fair, they, they did make a very big trade not too long ago, yeah. and their core is still very young. So Yes, I- it is. And now let's move to another team who did nothing. The Chicago Bulls, sir. Yeah, what Michael the hell? Dean, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, Kobe White, Patrick Williams. Caruso is still on this team. Every every single one of them still there. I I can't believe this surprises me way more than the Toronto thing. I I honestly can't believe that the Bulls. Did I know that exactly what happened, Nico. I know exactly mm-hmm. what happened. So Ant Man's coming out, right? Oh, so the entire player personnel department of the Chicago Bulls was standing in line for Ant-Man tickets. 
What's uh, the, what's, the that's only, my working theory. That's my working theory. What do you think? That's the only thing that would make any sense. I don't know. Maybe they got really hyped after the three-game win streak against Charlotte, Portland, and San Antonio and decided they didn't need to make any moves and they were playoff bound. But I don't know. This is a team that the at best they're going to lose on the play-in game. I I'm very surprised they didn't do anything at this point. They're literally walking into next year. Obviously, we don't know what the draft and all that holds. Hey, they don't have their draft pick, by the way, right? No, they do not. Right. Orlando has that draft pick because that's yep. part of the Vucevic trade. It mm-hmm. continues to pay off. And that's going to be a theme, by the way, as we go continue to go through this. Now, let's move to an interesting team, the Detroit Pistons. Now, Nico, oh, Nico, we have yep. you have friends that are just Detroit Piston fans, like they are. Yes, they are. <laughs> okay. James Wiseman is now a Detroit Piston. Sadiq Bay somehow gets rerouted to Atlanta. Mm-hmm. And you end up with James Wiseman. Yeah. Okay. Um, Jalen Duran, Isaiah Stewart, mm-hmm. uh, Marvin Bagley Jr. He's out of the. He's gone. Like I. No, I'm just, don't, he's part of the rotate. Well, he's part of the team right now. I'm just saying. This yeah, is, yeah. No, I. I just mean, like, that's the only way this makes sense. Like you can't play that guy ever again he has a hand injury and you if you would have told me that the Pistons one thing they did today was trade Sadiq Bay for another center I would not have believed it in a million years uh they have Jalen Duran, they have Nerlens Noel, they have Isaiah Stewart. They are set at this position. People wanted Nerlens Noel. Like, people wanted him. They might get him on the buyout market. I'm just saying that. I don't know what the hell they're doing. I know of, like, at least three or four teams that wanted him. Mm-hmm. So let's examine this a little bit. James Wiseman, the story has been told. Just yeah, obviously underdeveloped, didn't get a lot of playing time, got hurt. He was on a team that's trying to win a championship. Wasn't able to crack the rotation regularly, only like break glass in case of emergency type of usage. Mm-hmm. Now it goes to Detroit and there's a glut at center. Explain the pathway to success 
with James Wiseman? I think there is actually a very direct pathway to success for James Wiseman in this situation, funnily enough. Because, first of all, the well, thing that, that came up... That, did you just say funnily? Funnily enough? Funnily enough, yes. That's a Canadian thing? Uh, I don't... I Funnily is, is uh, an English word. It exists. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it is a Canadian thing. Um, we'll have to check on that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, James Wiseman apparently is going to be starting. <laughs> that, Let's go. That is the first thing we've heard Let's of go. this situation. And the... Other way I think James Wiseman can find success in this situation, and I'm not convinced this will happen, but to this point in James Wiseman's career, I've thought his biggest struggle is mindset and not mindset in terms of, I think he doesn't love basketball or I think he is some bad guy or immature or anything. It's he tries to play like he's a better player than he is. He tries to do too much with the ball in his hands and he doesn't just capitalize on the skills that have been given to him by God. Uh, A thing I've referenced multiple times is James Wiseman was asked in the pre-draft what player he models his game the most after. And he said, Giannis. And that, to me, is absolutely insane. He should never say anything like that. He needs to be a completely different player. Yeah, However, in this situation... Can hold on to the ball. That That is true, too. Wiseman cannot. I, through his career, I have made the same reference that if James Wiseman had Nerlens Noel's mindset, he would be a starting NBA center. So if he can tie his goddamn hip to Nerland's Noel and learn to play the game like Nerland's Noel plays the game, I think we're in for the best version of James Wiseman we could possibly see. Can I he think play the game like the 19-year-old that just turned 19. Jalen Durant. Can he play like him? Uh, I don't think anyone can play quite like him. He is, he is a special guy. That's he's got guy. the preternatural like rebounding instincts and like he's got a, a frame that I, it, like even though Wiseman has a very impressive frame, it's not like Durant. He, I think the rim running stylings of Nerland's Noel Suit, might suit Wiseman's style a little bit more, especially with that size that that he has and like the the quickness. Versus Durin is more like strong, going to the basket and he'll dunk over you. Wiseman is weirdly fast for his frame, and I think that. Playing the way a guy like Nerlens, who does have a similar build, plays will really help him out. 
I just think that also, hopefully, Isaiah Stewart pulls him aside. Because if he got 15% of Isaiah Stewart's mentality, mm-hmm. we'd be really on to something with James Wiseman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Isaiah Stewart is a very hardworking guy. He, the way he defends the floor is very impressive. And I, I know he, his shot hasn't been going in very much lately, but I'm still hoping it'll stabilize. And he, I believe in the Isaiah Stewart three pointer. So I, until I Victor Wembanyama gets there, absolutely one hundred percent. Uh, uh, we we haven't even really touched on the player they're trading away though. They did lose their Bay. Yeah, they did lose a shot creator, uh, and I think that's a thing that they struggle with a little bit. So it's going to be interesting to see how they're going to try the void left by Bay for the rest of the year and see which players start putting up more shots especially considering for the remainder of the year they'll also be without Cade so Wiseman gets 20 shots a game uh, yeah it might be Ivy season we'll have to we'll have to wait and see either way win win Mm -hmm. because they both need the reps they do well Nico, we're going to move along to the Milwaukee Bucks. This is probably the most, uh, I would say, underwhelming um, piece of information because everybody knew about it. Jay Crowder is yeah. a Milwaukee Buck. Yeah. Uh, the trade uh, deadline had a lot of people going to teams that they used to play for. And this kind of almost felt like that, even though Jay Crowder's never played on the Bucks. It just felt like he's been on the Bucks for the last two years because they keep trying to trade for him. So I I'm happy with the move for them. I think it, he's a good rotation piece. Uh, it seemed like they were trendsetters with the five first round pick deal because uh, multiple teams copied that construction afterwards all in all they traded five first round picks for or second round picks for jake crowder so oh they also moved jordan awara in the move uh yeah and serge abaka to the pacers as well so actually that's kind of interesting they did clear up a roster spot so they they could be contenders on the buyout market as well. I think they're probably going to be shopping for a backup five, mm. considering George Hill didn't get moved at the deadline. So they're still kind of set at backup one. I I would think that's the direction they're going in. I'm not sure off the top of my head what the backup fives on the market will be. But oh, Dwayne Dedman, maybe. Norlis Noel. Yeah, uh, I know he cannot get bought out now. He needs to. He needs to teach James Wiseman the way. All right. Well, 
our fans in South Beach must be uh, really sad right now because um, the Miami Heat went over trade deadline. No, they got they got your boy cash considerations for Dwayne Dedman. Dude, come on, man. <laughs> come on, man. You know that you know he hey, listen, he culture does not want to hear that. Yeah. They are mad. I that's a that's a mad fan base. A lot of people expecting Kyle Lowry to be moved. I kinda didn't see that one happening and it didn't end up going down. I talked uh, to like a bunch of people that like not in the Miami organization, but people who are real familiar with that organization. And they were like, no way. There's there's no way. Yeah. I I didn't think it was really on the board at any point. I heard some rumblings that maybe Pat Riley isn't going to get off bad money as easily as he has done every other time in his career. But I'll have to believe that when I see it this offseason. I think it was a slow deadline for the Heat, but I this offseason I think they could still be prowling. And maybe they just are waiting for Toronto to move on anything. Or Washington on Beal. Because I think they're a Beal destination as well. We're going to have to talk about that. Because that Beal thing, to me, is just wild. Mm -hmm. It's wild. Speaking of Beal, this is a good segue. The Washington Wizards. Kendrick Nunn. They got Kendrick Nunn. For for Rui Hachimura in three seconds. They are buying out Will Barton. Yeah. Bradley Beal, still on team, for sure. Yeah, Kyle Kuzma. Uh, I mean, we everybody says for now, that dude has not moved. Yeah, that, that's true. I, I'm getting more Given the no prov- provocation that he wants to move. I'm Just, getting, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm getting a feeling again that Beal might eventually get his way out of there it's just when teams tread water for so long it it gets hard to believe that they'll like he won't get agitated at some point that being said there could be a point guard on the bio market that uh, he used to like playing with that could come back uh the agent of chaos himself we'll get to him a little bit later Okay, Orlando Magic. Well, <laughs> they got Pat Beverly. They did. From the Los Angeles Lakers, and, and they, they got him. rid of Mo Bamba. And then Pat Bev is a pro, is buyout candidate, and he's going to Minnesota. Yeah. Mm. Uh, there's been some pushback on that. Apparently, it's not a done deal that he's going to Minnesota. Uh-oh. Pat Bev, the higher gun. Mm-hmm. So, we'll see how that works out. Maybe a Clipper. Maybe a Golden State Warrior. Uh-huh. Maybe a Denver Nugget. Who knows? 
But Houston Rocket. Oh my gosh, stop. It happens every time. Come on, Patrick. Oh, stop. Okay, so Mo Bamba is now not an Orlando Magic. No. This is more minutes for Bo Pole and, and, and Jonathan Isaac. Mm-hmm. So to me, all the way around a win for the Orlando Magic. Yeah, they got a second round pick for everyone was shocked when they re-signed Bull Bull or when they re-signed Mobamba in the offseason. Uh well, they just held him till the deadline. Didn't play him much. I think it's a great move for the Lakers, but obviously we'll touch on that more later. Uh but yeah, so solid move for the Magic, all in all. And then Atlanta got Sadiq Bay in a weird way. Mm-hmm. He came from Detroit via God, all kinds of machinations. He was part of the Wiseman deal mm-hmm. that ended up being part of the Golden State deal, which ended up being part of the Portland deal. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so I just wanted to keep that straight because we're going to get into those teams later. But your impressions – now, here's my thing that I want to ask you about. Sadiq Bay need in Atlanta? I, I think they needed another shot creator. I think Sadiq Bay is – Maybe like what they kind of hoped Cam Reddish would be originally. He's a little bit less than I think the idealized version of that, but he is a microwave scorer who can kind of fit in with multiple lineups. There's situations where he can get a little too shot happy, and that kind of is part of what wore out his favor in Detroit. Uh, I think I think it's a good fit, though, all, all in all. He's not a great defensive addition, but they do have defense on the wings already. My question is, is he going to take minutes away from A.J. Griffin? I hope not, but there's definitely a chance as long as uh, McMillan's the coach. Then this is a failed experiment, then. Mm-hmm. Well, so, hey, unless McMillan's not the coach much longer. Well, I AJ Griffin should not have time taken away from him. That that no. will be my, especially for Sadiq Bay. No offense to Sadiq Bay, I like him as a player, but um, I don't want to take minutes away from AJ Griffin in his development in that deal. <laughs> So we're going to move over to the West. OKC Thunder, just kind of sitting there, having a pretty good year. SGA is awesome. Yep. And then they got Justin Jackson in the Mike Muscala deal. Yeah. They also get the two second-round picks. Mm -hmm. Then this was a... Interesting trade. 
Darius Baisley, which obviously looked like a cost-cutting move, to yeah. the Suns for Dario Sarge and a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, OKC doing OKC things, acquiring picks for players they don't necessarily need. Muscala would playing well for them, obviously. Um, I don't think they envisioned having to use him as much as they did, but he's performed well in the minutes he's played. And Darius Basley has been mostly a failed experiment up to this point. Um, Dario Saric might be the next guy who gets the chance at the OKC Redemption Tour. And who knows, we could see him flipped for second round pick at some point in the future but uh all in all just more what you'd expect from okc it was almost like presty got bored and he wanted to do something <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> he must be great in fantasy football oh yeah, presty. yeah. So we're going to skip down to the Portland Trailblazers because I want to kind of leave the Jazz and the T-Wolves kind of towards the end because they kind of tie into another team that we're going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. Portland gave up Josh Hart. They did. They gave up Gary Payton II. They take back Kevin Knox, Cam Reddish, Matisse Thibel, and five second-round picks. Yeah. Ryan Archer-Diacono, too, I think, but they cut him. Okay. Okay, so w- they got bigger, kind of? Yeah. They got uh-huh. a much better fit for their defensive system in Matisse than Gary Payton. Gary Payton is more of a POA guy, and... Chauncey Billups isn't really looking for guys to man up. He's looking more for off-ball defenders, especially in the current system with the guys they have around him. Uh, So I think Matisse specifically for them might be a better better fit than Gary Payton, Um, Especially considering that you're acquiring first round pick or second round picks in the deal as well. And then just getting the first round pick for Josh Hart, I think that's okay. It's not great. I would I would have wanted more for Josh Hart than Cam Reddish and the pick. But I why guess it's trade, fine. I, I'm just underwhelmed. Why would you try a winning player for not a winning player? Because yeah, here's not. the thing. I'm not trying to be very dismissive of Cam Reddish. I've always liked the skill set, but we've never seen it in tangible. Mm-hmm. And I've just not seen any sort of life that would say that this will help me win. Josh Hart, I've seen a lot of film. Oh, that yeah. tells me he's going to win. That he's going to be a winning player. Very, very good player. So now you take something away from Dame 
supposedly you're building this around Dame. This doesn't sound, this doesn't look like you're building around Dame. This looks like you're building around Shaden Sharp. That's what this looks like. Shaden Sharp and Anthony Simons. I you seen Dame's reaction on the floor actually right after the Josh Hart trade happened. There was a uh some photographer got pictures of the Blazers team standing around looking at the phone and someone telling Dame what happened and a shocked look on his face. You also heard buzz today that teams were calling about Damian Lillard just to get rebuffed. I think there could be a world where Dame does get traded in the eventual future, especially when the Blazers keep making moves like this. It's clearly with an eye towards the future rather than the present. Um. I'm not sure where it would be or how soon it would happen, but I would definitely keep my eye out on Dame to be one of the next superstars to move. Nico, I just I'm gonna ask the question. It's more rhetorical, but tell me how I can look at this any other way. The moves that they made last year, the mm-hmm. moves that they made this year at the trade deadline. The moves that they made in the offseason, explain to me how they're building for Dane in his timeline. Well, I think they did in the offseason with the Jeremy Grant move and the Gary Payton signing in the first place. I think that was the intention there, but the Gary Payton thing obviously didn't work. Um, Matisse, like I said, I expect to be a better fit, but the fact that they're also moving on from Josh Hart at the same time is definitely disconcerting. Nico, I think we talked about it at the time when they didn't move uh, Shaden Sharp or that pick. Yeah. that We talked, I believe, at that time. And I said, mm-hmm. wait, we're building around Dame and we didn't move the sixth pick? No, this no. doesn't sound right. It's it's clear that I think they have eyes to the future, but they will keep Dave around as long as he wants to be there. All right. Well, let's move on to a more positive situation. The Denver Nuggets, best in the West, best oh. record. They made a couple of little nice little nugget deals. Thomas Bryant went <laughs> to the Nuggets for yeah. three second-round picks. And the Lakers got uh, Devon Reed. Devon Reed. Bone, Bones Highland went to the Clippers. Yeah, that one was crazy. For a second-round pick. Uh-huh. Or a couple second-round picks, I think. Yeah, two of them. He he wore out his welcome. Absolutely. This is one of those cases where I hope the young man looks in the mirror and starts making some necessary changes. Because I think he has a 
a long future in the league, but the mindset might get him out of the league mm-hmm. a lot earlier than he thinks. Yeah, he was in a bad situation for him to just being someone who wants to score a lot off the dribble. And even in the best of situations, you're playing with Jokic, who tries to put you in catch-and-shoot situations more than anything else. Didn't really lend itself to his play style. So I <laughs> I understand some level of frustration. You understand his level of frustration? No, 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 no. I didn't say Jokic? no, no, no. I'm not. I'm, I'm far from finished. Okay. Um, I'm far from finished. Because no, I understand. to lose my mind. Anybody <laughs> who cannot play with Jokic, no, 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 no. As well I, stop talking. No, it's not just you. not the ideal fit for him necessarily. He wants to be on a team where the ball's in his hands more, which he's probably going to get with the Clippers. I like the fact that he couldn't adjust his game at all. And the fact that they drafted him in the first place, like is obviously awful for both parties. I also don't necessarily think he's going to be the best fit with the Clippers. Cause they also have two guys who like the ball in their hands a whole lot, who don't play the point guard position. And so, the other dude that comes off the bench, Norman Paul Powell also likes the ball. In his he, he does like the ball in his hands. I, in some ways it makes sense for him to be on the Clippers because I think his play style is spiritually reminiscent of Lou Williams. However, he is not nearly the like off ball player that Lou Williams was, or even like in the locker room personality, which he Lou caught some flack for that. Uh, at times in his career, but he's a dude that everyone in the locker room seemed to love. So Bones definitely isn't that type of guy. Okay. Uh, so now we're moving on to the Dallas Mavericks. Oh, but we, uh, no, we skipped. Why in the hell Oh, go. are go. they trading for Thomas Bryant? Yeah, I can tell you. I, I go ahead. Go ahead. Because I can I tell you. Because this is the Denver Nuggets propaganda machine at work. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, it is. Because you and I know that the talking heads in the basketball Illuminati Hmm. do not want Nikola Jokic to win his third MVP. And this move... Right here, the Thomas Bryant move, albeit might not seem like such a big move to you. I say nay, sir. <laughs> this is a big move. They're playing chess in Denver. They are. Because let me tell you, the rating with Nikola Jokic off the court and the rating with Nikola Jokic on the court is vastly different, and that's not going to change with Thomas Bryant. Uh, especially defensively, that's going to be the biggest thing. The just 
sheer defensive negative that Thomas Bryant is on the floor is going to be very apparent in those plus minus stats. So it's a way to game the uh, advanced stats community, I guess. But like just as a fit, Thomas Bryant doesn't make any sense for the Nuggets. This is like... It feels like an admission, okay, we're going to lose in the second round in game six. Like, uh, I'm, I don't know. I'm kind of sick of it with the Nuggets. Who owns the Nuggets? Uh, Mr. Cronky. This is the least valued team to the Cronkies. Oh, yeah, clearly. And they've proven it over the years. So yeah. this this is not surprising to me. No. And by the way, the lovely service that you will get inside the paint from Thomas Bryant is going to be amazing. He is he is such an exquisite concierge service. When you <laughs> get in the lane, oh man. I, as a Laker fan, has have been able to see this. Come on in. Can I get you anything? (laughs) What would you like to drink, sir? Can I take your jacket? Would you like to dunk on me? Can you have your sweaty, like, trousers in my face? This is what I want. Yeah. Bro, (laughs) they did this. This Kudos to the analytics department in Denver. Mm -hmm. Because... This was a MVP move for our boy Jokic. So yeah. now we can move on to Dallas because it's almost as sublime in Dallas as it is in Denver. Mm-hmm. Kyrie Irving has played his first game yep. as the Dallas Maverick. He got traded from Brooklyn to Dallas because of all kinds of things that were going on. First and foremost, Kyrie uh, asked for a trade to the Lakers in the offseason. We all know this. We know that Kyrie also said that himself, Kevin, Joe Sy, and Sean Marks would put their heads together before this season started, mind you, to come up with a way where the whole team could be better after the Harden noise. Then we get into the season, and Kyrie talks about a certain sect of people, puts up a a post that was very offensive to the Jewish community, had to walk that back, had an apology, then played really well. Kevin Durant got hurt. Team didn't play well. Then it kind of got its footing. Kyrie played well. And everybody started to say, this dude is really playing for a contract. He's really going to do it. He's going to shut his mouth and just play basketball. Nope. Couldn't do that. No, 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 no. Of course not. I'm tired of this organization, the way they treat me. 
and I request a trade. Not more than 48 hours after that, Joe Sy, we will accommodate that trade, sir. And here are your bags because we packed them ourselves. Yeah. Don't let the door hit you on the way out, my good guy. <laughs> but peace, see you later. And we'll be taking endurance, Finney Smith, and uh, first round draft picks, Spencer Dinwiddie, and we will never see you again. But now this is the Dallas Mavericks problem. Now, Nico, I've just gone over the chronological order of uh, Kyrie mm-hmm. Irving. People are probably really just rolling their eyes at this present time. Now, what happened? Today or yesterday now, because it's late. So we're doing that. It's at one twenty-four in the morning. Yes. So two twenty-four where you are. Yeah. Yeah. So what happens? What what happened today? Because the way we left it, they had Kyrie, Luca, Christian Wood, Josh Green, and the the specter of Maxi Kleba because. That guy has been out for a while. Yeah. Uh, they they got the same. They got the same thing. They did nothing. They decided they're just not going to play defense this year, and they're not a serious title contender. Um, this is going to be great. I I don't know what the plan is going forward. For Dallas, defensively, I think it's a lot of your crossing your fingers. Mm. But I think I'm going to use my third eye. I just think they're going to lose in the second round. Um, That's if they get past the Phoenix Suns in the first round. Yeah. Kevin Durant knocks them out. (laughs) Man. I, I don't know. It's just the, the first round is always Mavericks versus Clippers uh, for some reason. Oh, can we just hope for a Mavericks Phoenix first round? That would be fun. Extravaganza. Okay, San Antonio. Big ups mm-hmm. to San Antonio. They are embracing Tank. I never thought I'd see the day where Pop would embrace Tank. But we are seeing it. it. Like. <laughs> we are seeing it. Yeah, he's just trying to get these guys better. I'm, I'm here for it. I mean, Devontae Graham, and you lose a wing like Josh Richardson. Yeah, and you get four second round picks. Hey, mm-hmm. so we turn six six into five eleven. That's excellent tank work. <laughs> French kiss for that. And then Jakob Pertle gets traded the other day. Kim Birch comes back. Mm-hmm. Another in a twenty in a, in a first round pick. Mm-hmm. This man, this is beautiful, Tanky. Are you? I mean, how excited I'm, are you for this? I I'm very happy for the Spurs. I think they're doing this the right way. They're truly clearing this out, and hopefully they can get a foundational piece in this year's draft. I'm obviously hoping it's not Victor because he needs to go to Houston, but if they get Victor, Scoot, Amon, 
uh, Brandon Miller, any of these guys, I think having someone who has a legitimate chance to be someone they build around will be very significant. Good thoughts, sir. Good thoughts. Mm -hmm. I'm just jazzed to see old man pop and his team is going nowhere. He's just drinking wine. I mean, this is a lovely retirement package he has got going on there. I love it. I really do. Yeah. So, Nico, I have a question for you. Mm -hmm. And this gets into the Memphis Grizzlies. If I would have told you a week ago that the Memphis Grizzlies on or around the trade deadline would make a move and it would be for shooting. What are like the first three, three or four games you would have come up with? Oh, I, I think I would have probably told you it would definitely be Luke Kennard they're trading for. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. A hundred percent accurate. I've bro, never made a mistake before. Bro. Like if that's the case, <laughs> we don't need to be doing this podcast. I need to have you come down to Vegas, even though it's hot. Yeah. But you'll um, be in a lovely air conditioning casino, <laughs> and we can make a lot, 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 lot of money. Yeah, no, no, I did, there's no chance. I thought it would be Luke Kennard that they're trading for, but I think that's a it, it's a good move. Ultimately, I think they could have used uh, another rotational shooter. So having a guy like him who realistically they didn't trade any significant rotation piece so they can quite easily just have him come in certain games have him sit out other games i think he's the perfect kind of guy to work in that role for the grizzlies is he not enough of a grown-up in that locker room um I think obviously there seems to be some of a need for grown-ups overall, but Luke seems to be somewhat of a veteran. I don't know if he's going to be the ultimate guy to smarten everyone up, but he's definitely going to be helpful. All right, let's. I'm a, let's talk to the about the two Bay Area or one Bay Area team, but the two no no cow teams. Mm-hmm. I think Sacramento did the exact right thing by doing almost nothing. I love Kessler Edwards on their team, to be honest. He's kind of exactly what they needed, and they got him for free. He's a rotational wing, a guy who can take some of those Casey Paula minutes and help you out, and he can kind of finish at the rim more than I expected. I Really like him as a prospecty 3 and D player. So just adding him to be the 11th man in your rotation or whatever, be it 13th, that's fine. I absolutely love it as well. The beam team needed to stay intact this year. I like that they're enjoying the journey, the process of, of what's going on, allowing Keegan Murray to, to grow and develop and really actually allowing De'Aaron Fox to grow and develop as well. These crunch time points that he's putting up is Very amazing. Impressive. 
and he needed this this year to fully spread his wings i would th- i would say i would think adding something significant to what they had right now would mess up the flow of what they got going on so light the damn beam you did yes you did very little and we're very proud of you you showed restraint where your predecessors did not mm-hmm couldn't couldn't agree. What would have maybe liked to see them uh, move on from Rashawn Holmes, even if it was just like in a clearing move to free up, free up a roster spot or something. But uh, I'm totally fine with them staying how they are. I just, I just love what they're doing. I really do. I think that agreed. This is uh, and also for a fan base that hasn't had a lot to cheer about for a while. It's a lot. It's very documented that they haven't been in the playoff series since 2006. Uh, that fan base brings up 2002 quite a bit, mm-hmm. and it's good that there's something else to talk about. So I'm really happy for them. I'm really happy for the movie because I really like Kessler Edwards. Me too, man. I had him as uh, the last pick in the first round in that 2021 class. I very much enjoyed watching his film, and he's even been good in the NBA to this point in limited time. Should he follow uh, Kevin Herter around? Would Would you think that would be a good kind of clone or template mm. for him? I, I think he's more of like – a front court guy, ideal. He maybe you should follow Keegan around. To be honest, hmm. okay. Like I think they can do some kind of similar things, and uh, Keegan seems to be a, a good mentor. Keegan and Harrison Barnes are two guys he can probably learn a lot from, and weirdly, he can also kind of fill some of the Bagley role and the dunker spot that they used sometimes. So like he's definitely an interesting piece that Mm -hmm. they could use in their rotation that they haven't quite had. They've used Casey of Paula in this way before, but he has a little bit less vertical and less shooting upside. So I'm, I'm very intrigued. And Gold State brought back a significant piece to their title run last year in Gary Payton II. Now, they got rid of James Wiseman. And when I found out that one of, that the kids were in play, I was like, ooh, this could be big. Does this mean Kaminga? Does this mean Moody? No, it was James Wiseman, which of the three, he's probably been the most disappointing the the one that oh, couldn't yeah. find the any sort of role or any sort of footing in this uh franchise whatsoever. And it was time to pull the plug on him. Getting Gary Payton the second back was that was a good pickup. I would yeah. I'm a little weirded out that they just didn't do the bay part of it though. <laughs> I I think they really saw a need for that perimeter defender, that guy who can manage the point of attack. And Gary Payton definitely isn't like 
some elite player or anything and considering he's a little older that uh it, it can appear like a negative but i think they really missed him specifically and they did save significant money going down to the gary payton number from the james wiseman number originally all right we're gonna talk about the second team in los angeles right now the clippers mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. now usually when we talk about the clippers it's always never in glowing terms when it's coming out of my mouth but today they got backup big mason Plumley, and they also got bones highland now wall goes to houston <laughs> <laughs> gets bought out again. They're paying him twice. Yeah. Now. Is it two separate checks? It's two separate checks. Yeah, they can't just combine them for no, the sake it's of two, no, because it's two different contracts. Well, I know it's two different contracts, two but I mean like checks. for logistical reasons nope. when they're sending him the money. No, 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 no. That auto that that automatic transfer, it'll have one and then it'll have a second one. God damn. Ain't America great? <laughs> yeah, he's charging. We're losing money to John Wall on bank fees, too, now at this point. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then they got rid of Reggie Jackson. Yeah. That, that was sadder than I expected it to be. I seen his uh, comments after being traded and how like truly grateful he was to be given the second tri- chance by the Clippers and how much he cared for all the people on the team like really struck a chord with me. So I, I definitely feel bad that Reggie's no longer on the squad, but hopefully he can find a home somewhere else because it appears the Hornets are buying him out as well. But the Clippers did get in all of this with Kennard leaving, with Wall leaving, with Reggie leaving, they got Eric Gordon and Mason Plumley and Bones mm-hmm. Highland. So yeah. you think about the three people they got back for the three people who left. Mm-hmm. I mean, this is an it, upgrade. It, it's nice. It's nice for sure. I, I think they're still missing that uh, – primary initiator passer that they're kind of hoping for so i wonder if they're going to be a team that explores the buyout market at all um with guys coming available we've heard rumors of russell westbrook but uh with the news coming out that minnesota isn't a done deal for patrick beverly i wonder if the clippers might throw their hats in that ring as well that would be a better move for them. I agree. So um, let's get to the big one, and then we'll kind of weave in Houston and the other story. But yeah. Phoenix gets Kevin Durant, dude. Yeah, yeah, that was. Uh, they also get like TJ Warren, but they get Kevin Durant, dude. Mm-hmm. Darius Basley. Yeah. Well, we're just gonna talk about Kevin Durant, dude. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. I mean, honestly, uh, it's ridiculous. We mm-hmm. said it last night. The amount of skill 
in the mid range that this team currently possesses. Yeah. Unprecedented. Unprecedented. Like you, you could run up out a lineup of five people who hit mid-range shots at like above 48% on average, something like that. I haven't actually run the numbers, but it's in that general area. And then they really just, with all the stuff that went on this year, with Jay Crowder just kind of sitting out and just, I don't want to play. <laughs> Cam Cam Johnson getting hurt. You really have just upgraded 36 minutes in your front court just by putting Kevin Durant on your team. Yeah, definitely. It's I mean, the Cam Johnson minutes that are are the struggle to fill now. Like Mikael Bridges' minutes are replaced and significantly upgraded by Kevin Durant. Now, TJ Warren is going to be obviously the first person to slide into some of those minutes, but we're they're just going to need to make it up in places elsewhere. Maybe Darius Basley gets a chance. Well, Damian Lee is there. Yeah, absolutely. And he's shooting outstanding this year. Cameron Payne is hurt. Mm-hmm. Landry Shaman is there. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't you get, him you, well, here's the thing. I don't like to lean on buyout guys to think like, oh, they're going to solve all our problems. Mm-hmm. But if you can but add they're to, the number one destination, I think, right now. But if you can get 12 minutes... Yeah. You know, from a guy. Marco Bellinelli. Something. I just think. No, let me ask you a question. Yeah. Does this make them the odds on favorite to come out the West? Like, oh, yeah, I think I'm, you know, this is it. Phoenix, boom. Number one, there's no question whatsoever. They are. The number one team. Uh, I think there's no question that they're the favorite. I think, like, I'm still taking the field over them, and I I might take, like, a combination of any two teams over them to win the West, but I... I believe in them quite a bit. I think this team is definitely a monster to to handle both. Like, just this offense is so devastating. The, the defense will need some work, but, like, just even having Kevin Durant and Chris Paul as two of your superstars and just the defensive baseline you start from there is absolutely immense. So I... I think the Suns are, without question, the the favorites in the West for me. The main thing that it does is that it knocks everybody down a peg in, in responsibility of offense. Mm-hmm. Durant is your son now. Yeah. Sorry, Devin Booker. You're not the son anymore. Mm-hmm. You're, you're a planet. 
then Chris Paul becomes your moon, right? Yeah. And then your comment is DeAndre Ayton. That's how it works. Okay. It, but what I'm saying is, is that if you look at it from the point of view, the way I kind of look at it is if you take a, a batting order and you yeah. get a really good hitter and you slide him into the third slot, mm-hmm. now the dude that was in the third slot who struck out a little bit too much, he's now in the fourth slot. A little yeah. less pressure, right? Mm-hmm. And it just makes the lineup flow. It's the same thing. Durant is just, he's that guy. Booker is another guy that can just light it up. So those two guys are the carriers of the offense. Now mm-hmm. Chris Paul can kind of fall back into his role. And how many easy shots is DeAndre Ayton going to get? Oh, man. Yeah, he he, he is going to be under the basket all the time, just cleaning up for everyone. Uh, I He played a pretty a less than inspiring game today i was watching them play and he at one point i'm pretty sure clint capella was out rebounding him 15 to 0 but i expect him to to do better than that in the future he will have chris paul yelling at him and he will have kevin durant just staring at him yeah just what are you doing Mm -hmm. don't be messing up the championship flow situation all right, Nico. To hell with it. Let's get to it. Your yes, Houston sir. Rockets. What happened today? You got John Wall. You we do you have John him. Wall. You embraced him into the building, and then you said, "I remember you cheated on me," and now hit the bricks again. You. Oh yeah. See you fucking later. <laughs> we took him right in and cut his ass. Uh. <laughs> I I thought it would have been funny if they would have kept him on roster for like even one day, just to fuck with him, phone him, be like, uh, "Are you gonna come play or what's going on?" But uh, the fact the fact that they just cut him again was good. I that's the Eric Gordon trade, which long long rumored to happen. Um. It fi- it's finally went down. I'm excited about it. Did you the, get the first round pick that you wanted for Eric Gordon? Way it worked out. Yeah, it's a it's a first round pick swap because we we will be giving them the Bucks pick in return. But as of right now, it's an improvement of ten picks in the first round, moving from twenty eight to eighteen, and apparently they had been offered by other teams. A single first round pick, like late first round picks for Eric Gordon, but they decided they preferred this offer. Also, though, underrated in this is Danny Green is heading to Houston. I think Danny Green might actually not get bought out, similar to Dennis Schroeder last year. Have and you get- seen him? Have you seen him in the couple games he's been back? Well, I'm not. Uh, he can be. He can throw the ball into the audience no 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 it's not the it's not the uh the shooting that's not he literally looks like he's dragging a leg 
So yeah, I, I, but the point I was going to make is more just like having championship experience in the locker room versus what they currently have in the locker room is going to be a very nice change. And he, Danny Green is known as like a guy who is at least nice to be around. He's not going to be a vocal leader or anything, but I think having someone like him is going to be, uh, a good thing for the team to just experience his energy. I'm not sure how much he's going to play. If like he, I think actually he might have a role to slide into. And it's the role of another player who was also traded away today. Um, not Eric Gordon himself, but uh, in the other trade we made, the Rockets traded away, uh, the legendary Gary Bird, Garrison Matthews, and Bruno Fernando for Justin Holiday, Frank Kaminsky in two seconds. Wow, this trade was so awesome. Um, two second round picks for Garrison Matthews and Bruno Fernando was pretty. I was I was pretty impressed by that. Uh, Raphael Stone's ability to pull that off. Uh, in in the theme of people going to their old teams, we have Bruno Fernando returning to the Hawks, but also Gary Bird. They seem to value him at two second round picks, and I I think he could be a good fit on that team. He's a dude I love, very hard worker, can hit a three point shot. He. Uh, this year, I'm pretty sure, has more penalties drawn on illegal screens. He likes to get guy, catch guys on illegal screens than he has two-point shot attempts. But he is, he is a great role player you're going to want on your squad. Um, to be like he's that perfect 10th man type. Oh my God. And a lot of Rockets don't, fans don't like him as much as I do, but Gary's my guy. We gave a lot of love to, and uh, the game one in the season, the Rockets' starting center Bruno Fernando being shipped out here too. Um, I can't believe we're talking about this trade. All right, uh, no, 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 no. I'm, I, I, yeah, no, I'm not done. Um, but shout out oh, to please Bruno. Be done. Please be done. First game. Okay, uh, two second round picks. And moving up 10 picks in the first round in exchange for Garrison Matthews, Bruno Fernando, and Eric Gordon. And we were getting only Danny Green back, really. I expect Justin Holiday to maybe stay on the team, but Frank Kaminsky to be bought out. It'll at least be interesting to have the uh, potential roster spots going forward, seeing what the Rockets decide to do with them. I, I'd like Goga Batadze, who got waived by the Pacers today. I'm sorry, listeners. I apologize. Oh, oh man, I could have went so much longer. I thought he was going to wax poetically about Eric Gordon. And it was just going to be that, and that was going to be it. But no, <laughs> no, it wasn't. So no, we no. Were, I, I love Eric Gordon. I, I, I even skipped on Eric Gordon. We'll, we'll go back to that now. 
No, no, no. No, no, no. We're here. We're here. We're here. Gary Coleman's last moment as a rocket was that fucking foul from the other night on De'Aaron Fox. That is so depressing. Arguably, there's there's some arguments for Dwight Howard, but you can argue Eric Gordon's the greatest free agent signing in Rockets, like recent vintage. And I... Could, I, I love the guy. I think he's in a perfect situation with the Clippers. The fact he can kind of run that backup point guard role they need right now, as well as fit in with their closing lineups, I think is going to be perfect. Yeah, I'm very excited for Eric to have his chance. Also returning home to the Clippers. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm glad he's happy. And we're glad for Eric Gordon, too. Yeah. Okay. We're going to talk about Utah, and we're going to talk about Minnesota, and we're just going to talk about what they got. Yeah. Because the last team, we'll talk about what they got, because it's all intertwined. So Utah got in the business of a three-team trade. Mm -hmm. They were the only team to get one of the vaunted much ballyhooed Laker picks. Yeah. And that is the 2027 first rounder that is one through four protected. Mm-hmm. They got a plethora of talent back. One Bay Area's own, one Toscano Anderson. Shout out to the Bay. Shout out to our boy, Keyshawn. Yes, sir. Then they got Damian Jones, center. And then they got the most important thing. They got Russell Westbrook off my team. They did. Hallelujah. You sound like me. No, not as much. Yeah. Because we're moving on. Because then Utah traded Mike Conley in the same deal to Mm -hmm. the T-Wolves because what it all led up to. Oh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker also went, and there were second-round picks to Minnesota. This leads us to what the Lakers got. D'Angelo Russell comes back from Minnesota. (laughs) Malik Beasley comes back from Utah. And we get Jared Vanderbilt as well. Then today, they make a trade for the trade Thomas Bryant out, get three second round picks, flip one of those picks with Pat Bev to Orlando. For Mo Bamba. So they end up with D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and Mo Bamba. Devon Reed. Devon Reed, who will not play. No. Ever. He's a he's a hardworking defender, though. He worthy of a spot, maybe your thirteenth, fourteenth guy. 
Oh yeah, we don't care about thirteen, fourteen dudes here. Uh, he, he, a thirteen, fourteenth guy on a LeBron team sometimes ends up hitting finals winning shots. Okay. All right. Utah got the first round pick. From all of the speculation that was going on around them, to see what they actually did was actually a little disappointing, but they had did so much work in the offseason. This was yeah. the cherry on top. So really, they was just chilling. And also, they've had an incredible year in regards to they have pieces for the future. Everything's on the uptake for them. Mm-hmm. Were you <laughs> was there anything that you thought that Utah did leave on the table? If there was any kind of critique that you would have had with what they did on the trade deadline? I thought there might be a Kelly Olenek trade. I felt like there were a few teams around who could have maybe used his services. Um so I'm I'm a little surprised that didn't go down. The Colin Sexton thing, I think, is for a future deadline. And Jordan Clarkson, apparently he was a little harder to move than everyone thought because of his friendship with the, the owner. owner. Yeah. yeah. So that, that maybe you could tell me that one, too. They should have moved Jordan Clarkson. I, I can understand those two. But ultimately, I think they got... A, a valuable pick, a valuable asset, and they they didn't give up much. So I think it's another win for Danny H. And then Minnesota picks picks up Mike Conley Jr. That's mm-hmm. a grown up for them. They seem to be have been exhausted of the D'Angelo Russell experience. Yeah, which is funny because. Last six weeks, really played well. Yeah. Well, it seems like from the reports that are kind of trickling out now, the D'Lo and Gobert relationship was very bad. At not great. This point. Yeah, not great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now he has Mike Conley. So, I mean, this is for Gobert. This is best case scenario. Yeah, this is the move. And Anthony Edwards is like, great. I have the ball in my hand. More? Great. Yeah, exactly. I think it's... For me. To be honest, this might be a sign of things to come from Minnesota. Because as much as this trade just feels like it's D'Angelo Russell for Mike Conley, to me, it felt more like a passing of the torch in the front office between Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, where... Carl Anthony's town's friend was traded away for the guy who gets along with Gobert, the the other center on the team who Anthony Edwards is playing well with. It seems like a move to 
build the team more around Anthony Edwards than to build the team around Carl Anthony Towns. And I wonder if this could be something that bubbles up in the future between the two of them. And if they're leading down the road more towards Anthony Edwards and further away from Carl Anthony Towns, that's a good choice. Yeah, agreed. Uh, I think that is your alpha dog, and you should do everything in your power to facilitate him um, and, and develop him and mature him in a way where he can lead your franchise for you know, 12 years. So yeah. anything that leads to that, I'm going to be in favor of that. Now let's talk about the hall the Lakers got. Yeah. They turned Russell Westbrook, JTA, Damian Jones, Thomas Bryant, and Pat Bev into Mo Bamba, three second-round picks. One of those were used for Bamba. Mm -hmm. D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, and Jared Vanderbilt. Um, I mean, we talked about it when it happened, but again, the roster, like, fulfillment that they did here in this short period of time, and mind you, giving up one first-round pick, yeah. And a couple second rounders to get this to get this going. This is D'Angelo Russell is flawed. He's not a great defender at all, but he is a complete upgrade on the offensive end. One. Mm-hmm. And also he can do the thing that Russell Westbrook wouldn't do or wouldn't do and couldn't do with the shoot a lot better from three than Russell Westbrook. So that's an upgrade right there. Malik Beasley is a definite upgrade from Beverly and Kendrick Nutt. Straight replacement for Malik Monk, basically. Boom. Volume three-point shooter has had a down kick this year. But more in line, now he's probably going to get better shots, so he might get back up closer to that career that career uh, average. And then Jared Vanderbilt is your backup big. You, you got the guy that you needed. You don't mm-hmm. have a sieve behind Anthony Davis. And if there's some way to play these two guys together, it's going to be awesome. Yeah. I understand first round picks are more valuable than second round picks and something we didn't know when we were talking about the trade um, on the emergency pod is the convey what the pick will convey into if uh, it's not converted, which is just the 27 second round pick, which is what we kind of thought, but weren't sure of. There is a situation. It's not 
not I would say not likely, but not impossible. Where the Lakers got D'Angelo Russell, Malik Beasley, Jared Vanderbilt, and Mo Bamba at this trade deadline and got more second round picks than they gave up in the same trade deadline. Either way, they got more draft picks in than they gave up. This was an absolute masterclass by Palinka. at this point. This deadline experience was absolutely excellent. The, the more I go on and think about it, I think the only negative I have to say about this whole deadline thing from Polinka at all is Rui Hachimura doesn't seem as relevant to the team as he did uh, when that trade was first made. So I'm, I'm not like fully convinced I'd love to have Rui on that team. Maybe I would have liked to see what else I could do with those three second-round picks. But I... Other like that's even that's a good trade, and every other trade they made was a home run. So, absolute great job by Palenka. The other thing with Rui is this: is that listen, I don't expect him to be like this dude that becomes this revelation and starts no. and starts averaging like twenty three points a game. No, of course. But I think I would like to see him with all the pieces together, mm-hmm. and then see what he is. Yeah, because if he stays exactly what he is, which is an incons- inconsistent uh, score, he's like poor man's mellow, basically. Yeah. If he can get it going in the mid range, he's going to have a good night. And if he mm-hmm. can't get it going in the rid- mid range, he's not going to shoot the corner three with any confidence whatsoever. That's yeah. what I've noticed. But if you put him around all of this and you get better because the shot selection gets better Mm -hmm. because he's not going to be the number one, number two, number three, number four option. He's probably going to be the fifth option on the floor, mostly. I think he might end up being, if you can slot him into the role that he's comfortable with, not the one he envisions him to be, envision himself to be, the role that he is actually made for, and he's able to accept it, I think you'll get a much higher dividend from Rory Hachimura than what you're probably seeing right now because right now he's playing out of need. He's not playing out of like, okay, this is this is perfectly set up for where exactly where yeah. we want him to be. Yeah, no, I, I, I understand that. And I guess what I'm thinking more is like, when the Rui trade was made at first, I envisioned a world where he was playing playoff minutes. And now I'm less sure of that because you have the unit with LeBron James, Jared Vanderbilt, and Anthony Davis. And you also have the unit with LeBron, Anthony Davis, and Mo Bamba. And then you also have the unit with LeBron, Jared Vanderbilt, and Mo Bamba. So th- those are like three different rotations of four players in your front court that I think need to play over Rui Hachimura in playoff situations, which just is going to make his role smaller, unfortunately. But realistically, it's a good problem to have. If I would have told you 
coming into this deadline two weeks ago that we were talking about a potential that Rui Hachimura couldn't make the Lakers rotation, you no one would have ever believed me. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you on all those points. The last thing that I want to kind of say about the Lakers is that D'Angelo Russell, he is a polarizing figure here in Los Angeles. And he just hasn't seemed to have found that that whatever he harnessed in Brooklyn, he hasn't oh. been able to find it again. Yeah, no. So now my question is, can he now do something and fit a role and be a secondary offensive initiator? Can he I, run efficient pick and roll? And can you stand in the corner and hit a shot? I think so. I think D'Lo is a guy who is going to fit properly into the role he's currently on because he he's just not going to take the same amount of shots on a team with LeBron. It's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When you do that stupid shit where you decide you're taking the five shots in a row and all of them are long twos with a hand in your face, LeBron's going to make sure your ass is on the bench. As soon as you start, you might not even get the second shot up like that. So having him on a team like that, instantly makes me more confident that he will be that right type of player. But honestly, though, I I think the biggest thing seems to be for D'Lo, when he likes his teammates, he plays better. Like, we, it seemed like he wasn't happy this year in the Gobert situation, and he played terribly. It With Golden State, he didn't really seem to jive into the locker room, and he didn't play well. After the Nick Young thing happened with the Lakers, he started to go downhill. But when he's played well, it was last year in Minnesota when it was good vibes everywhere, and that year in Brooklyn when it was great vibes all over the team. So now that this Lakers team is going to be a completely refreshed rotation and like seemingly the cancers that existed are no longer there. Also with guys who D'Lo likes from that Minnesota team in Vando and Malik Beasley, I think we're probably going to see a happy D'Lo and that should hopefully lead to production on the court. All right, I have one final question for you because I had a hard time trying to figure this out. Mm -hmm. LeBron, AD, and D'Angelo Russell are going to start, correct? Yeah. Who are the other two players? If everybody's healthy, who are the other two players that would optimally start next to those three? I think it might have gotten easier with the Bomba trade because we know that Anthony Davis doesn't really like to start the game at center. So I'm thinking it might be Bomba and Reeves as the other two. You think he's going to start over like Vanderbilt 
And well, yeah, I think the the tra- traditional starting role I could see Bamba playing that and maybe playing sixteen minutes a game, something like that. But being the guy who goes out there in the beginning of the game definitely doesn't close them regularly, anyways. I think I see Mo, Mo Bamba as like the third guy. I think they have leaned into Anthony Davis being the center. Yeah, LeBron would like to play the three. He's me mentioned. Oh, he's he's the three now. He they have three bigs ahead of him in the rotation in the playoff rotation. He is a three. So and Wendy and Gabriel's still there too in the periphery. Exactly. So if that's the case, is there a way that you can start Vanderbilt or? You can start Vanderbilt for sure. Vanderbilt's also a really good player. I just like I I see these lineups with Mo Bamba uh, starting as more of a traditional unit that teams generally run with. So I think like that's generally my instinct to be the direction the Lakers go in. I could see a Vanderbilt lineup being very effective, but I see that more as the lineup they lean into when they're closing games. It seems more like Vando's that style of player to me who's going to be closing all the time. And I just think like the most effective time to get Bomba on the floor is going to be at the beginning of games at it's starter times, especially because that's usually when other teams are also playing their traditional bigs. No one tends to start a small ball lineup. So the best time to get Bomba out on the floor might be with those starting units to maximize his effectiveness. So I think that's the direction I would lean in. Generally, it's the way teams tend to go, but I I could definitely see a Vando Davis starting lineup being really good and maybe something they turn to in the playoffs. I really like your choice of Reeves in the starting lineup. I think yeah, that he plays I, better he with LeBron uh, the only reason to have had him bring off the bench was when Russell Westbrook was there because he paired well with him. Mm-hmm. But now that he's gone, I think you can just slot him right into the starting lineup, right with D'Angelo Russell. He can provide defense right then and there. And now you have another connective piece in the lineup. But the one thing that he's going to have to do if he's going to play is he's going to have to shoot five threes a game. Yeah. He's going to have to shoot them. He is. And if he doesn't want to, we got Lonnie Walker who will shoot all the threes. (laughs) Yeah. He'll shoot every time. That actually might be another argument for Bomba in the starting lineup is he gives you more of that shooting element than Vando does. Vando is an adequate shooter, but he is uh, not someone who's going to take very many of them. Good call. That would be the re and then that would help AD clear the lane a little bit. LeBron would have more 
driving lanes is because Bamba could hang out in the corner. Mm-hmm. Or he could start off in the dunker spot to help with rebounding. And as, as he sees the uh, driver to the lane, kick out to the three-point line. and Yeah. That way. Yep. All right. I mean, from my perspective, they did a, they did a really great job. They um, excellent job. The best job we've seen someone do on the trade deadline in some time when, especially when you consider a team that's made not just one huge home run trade, but like multiple trades to build uh, an actual team around. Because the main reason we were so low on the Lakers is no one ever does this successfully. No one trades for an entire rotation in one season. And the, Polinka just did it. Uh, we'll see how successful it is, but right now my instinct is that it's going to be quite successful. And I'll, I'll ask you this, and I'll ask you this for your team as well as mine, because we saw a lot of trades today. We saw a lot of movement. We saw we saw the West get better, right? Mm-hmm. Significantly, I'd say. With what your team did today. Mm-hmm. What do you did it give you any any inclination into what your future looks like as far as next year is concerned? I wouldn't say necessarily um any specific insights. I've long thought that the Rockets plan is this upcoming off season to go pretty spend crazy and try and uh, bring in some legitimate vets around this team or e- even if it's not necessarily all in free agency, maybe they trade away some of these excess picks they have and acquire whatever disgruntled guys on the market it won't necessarily be one of the huge names but let's say hypothetically mikhail bridges isn't happy uh, we, we would happily take someone like that in um so i i think i'm still sitting pretty steady on that i the the eric gordon James Harden dream, I guess, is dead to a certain extent. But, like, I think if James Harden was going to come home, he was going to come home. I don't think Eric Gordon was necessarily the swing factor. And realistically, Eric Gordon could find his way here next season if that's a deal breaker. This is a very important 26 games for D'Angelo Russell. If he does well and plays within the system, he's going to get a contract. Yep. If he doesn't, that's his cap money that's freed up. That's all that is. Mm-hmm. And I have no problem with that because I don't want to double down on mistakes. So play well, get a contract. Don't play well. We'll see you. We'll see you down the road, right? Yeah, and you can start your career as a backup. Well, realistically, this might give the Lakers flexibility in the same way the uh, Nets were given flexibility or gave flexibility to the Warriors, rather, in the D'Angelo Russell trade in the first place, like. 
the Lakers before didn't really have a player they could trade for a star. But hypothetically now, if there's some star available in the offseason who's trying to force his way to the Lakers, a D'Angelo Russell sign and trade is possible, which again wouldn't hard cap the Lakers, but would hard cap the team that D'Angelo Russell would be going to in the hypothetical move. And the other thing that we talked about in a lot of our discussions pre production, on the phone, the Lakers did exactly what I thought they should do. They turned mm-hmm. one year contracts into multiple controllable contracts, mm-hmm. bird rights, early bird rights, whatever the case may be. And now they have some semblance of a team. And you can now look at a the not the one through the one through five and say, okay, that's that's a legitimate NBA team that's being put out on the floor Mm -hmm. because what they put out a lot of times this year wasn't yeah not at all and not having beverly on the team forces darvin ham not to throw that three guard lineup out there that was so small and if he wants to do it now the players are a lot bigger your choices are now reeves lonnie walker uh Malik Beasley, D'Angelo Russell. You know, so, I mean, you're talking about bigger guys Mm -hmm. that would be able to switch a little bit. You know, can't switch them on to KD or anything like that. No, no, no. But I get what you mean. I think that's often the mistake of the multiple guard lineups when teams try to throw three guards out there. It sometimes just implodes. I remember that Phoenix team that was running Isaiah Thomas, Goran Dragic, and Eric Bledsoe all at the same time. And it's just three guys who are six foot one. They that can't quite make it work. But when you have that that plus size, it's a complete game changer. Nico, that's what's so funny about this. Everybody talks about like the lineup with death that Golden mm-hmm. State used to throw out there. But keep in mind, Iguodala was a guard, but he was six seven. Yeah, yeah. Clay that's, Thompson that's is six six, is. six seven. That that's the death lineups. Everyone is like between six foot five and six foot nine and just runs the floor and defends their ass off. So that's the key to it is that you're you're gonna put a death lineup out there. Don't have a bunch of six one guards. Because it doesn't work. Exactly. All right. Where's to live like kids? All right, Nico, man, we somehow have to do a, a Super Bowl pod. And like at some point know. tomorrow. Yeah. Something I got some... I'm mad I'm mad at football right now. I got you I can't be I'll mad. be no, no, I can't, can't be, be I'll I'll be cr- grouchy with the NFL tomorrow. Well you cannot. I, I can be. I can be. This Super Bowl coverage is rubbing me the wrong way. That's Nico, all I'll say. That's a that's Nico, a, we have two men of color who are quarterbacking in this Super that's Bowl. That's exactly what I'm upset about, actually. Oh I, my god. They we have two men of color quarterbacking the Super Bowl and it's being marketed to me as the Kelsey Bowl at this point by the NFL. Well, and, we know what we're gonna start off with 
<laughs> yes, I I know that that's what uh, we yeah that is exactly what I was trying to tease. But here we here we go. Mm-mm-mm. All right. Well, that's been it. I hope you guys have enjoyed this comprehensive coverage of this NBA trade deadline. Uh, myself and Nico, we. God, I don't know how many phone calls I made or how many text messages I put together for for this thing. But um, we have to have like potted for 10 hours this week or something. Yeah. The great thing is, is that I hope that everybody really enjoyed it, man, because there was a lot of work that was put into it. And uh, we covered every team. So we did yeoman's work, man. Congrats to you. Big ups to you. And is there anything you want to uh, leave the hoop heads with? Nah, just a great trade deadline. I'm incredibly excited for the rest of this NBA season. And I I can't wait to see what goes on in the buyout market. And I'll leave you with this. Durant, Irving, Curry, Kawhi, LeBron are all in the West and all play for different teams. Yep. And let's sprinkle some jaw in there as well. Mm-hmm. And hopefully we'll get Zion back. Could you imagine how spicy the Western Conference playoffs are going to be? Yeah. With yeah. all of this going on. It's it's buzzy. I'm I'm ready for it. Woo-wee. All right. So for the Canadian bomber, the Canadian shaman, the Canadian Bill Simmons, and now the Canadian Zach Lowe, Nico Miatello. I'm Vince Carter. We're wishing you well good morning because it's uh three twenty-five where where Nico is. It's two twenty-five yes. a.m. where I am at. <laughs> we are gonna try to get some sleep. And we hope yeah. that you guys are doing that. And this beautiful pod will be up hopefully sometime by like 10 o'clock tomorrow because I'm not doing this tonight. Nope. <laughs> no way. Right early. Yep. So we're we're done. And uh, you guys have a great night. And we're signing off because I'm punch drunk, obviously. <laughs> <Sick>. <laughs> Wait. Wait.